that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. It's an amazing thing that that scripture is there in Isaiah 50 for us. Because Jesus said, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means you can actually hear God's word and still not hear it. God can be speaking and some will hear and others don't hear. It takes God and God alone to really open our ears to hear. When somebody says to me, I don't believe there is a God. I believe them. They don't believe. And they really believe firmly that there is no God in their heart. I doubt that they really, truly, fully believe that. But the Bible says, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. You go away from him, he'll let you be. So it's always good to draw near to God and to ask God to open our ears so that we can hear. We're speaking on the prodigal son, and we've already prayed about the prodigal son. It's a simple message from this uh, parable from Jesus in the scriptures from Luke chapter 15. And we started this two weeks ago. The prodigal son says to his father, give me, give me, demand, give me, not please give me, give me. I want what's forced to to me from your estate. And the Bible said, the father divided everything in two and gave him his portion and he left. And wasted everything that he got from his father. And then right after that, things got very bad. And we said sometimes, God, my wife prayed about it this morning when we were praying for the prodigals, family members. Sometimes God will make things really hard for us. Or he will allow it. He doesn't make it hard. You made it hard for yourself because you left him. And when you move away from God, God moves away from you. Now you gave yourself That means you've given yourself to the enemy and Satan wants to destroy. Remember what Jesus said. He came, Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So when you are away from God, you are exposed. You've given him right to kill you. You've given him right to take from you. And when things really get bad, thank God his mercy is still around us. Hopefully when things get bad, we'll begin to think about home. Going back to our Heavenly Father. And when we go back to our Heavenly Father, He'll receive us according to this parable. And so, when things got really bad for the prodigal son, he thought, look, I'm even thinking about eating with pigs. My father's servants have much to spare. And here I'm wasting the way I don't even have clothes to where no one is giving me anything. I'm going back home to my father, and I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned against heaven. That's very important. First is heaven, and before you have sinned against heaven, and, and before you have sinned. Now, I don't want you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I am your son, but I'm not worthy to be called that anymore. Just make me one of your highest servants. And then in verse 20, it tells us, in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it tells us that he arose and came to his father. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him 
and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He arose, verse 20 tells us, he arose and went home to be with his father. He came to his father. He did exactly what he said he would do. Going back to his father, things were going to get a little bit better, he hoped. Now, many of us, we tell ourselves, this year, I'm going to try to draw nearer to God. That's only on New Year's Day. We don't keep our words. We don't keep our words. Well, God, I want to draw near to you. I'm going to be studying my Bible every day. That's for just a week. And you've forgotten. We don't keep our words. Prayer time. God, I'm going to be trying to wake up every morning. And if you tell God that, believe me, early in the morning, your eyes will pop open and it's time to pray. Please don't tell him, I'll do that tomorrow. I'm too tired now. You never do it. He rose and went to his father. If you want to draw near God, draw near God. Because when you say it from your mouth, he's waiting. He's waiting for you to come home. Some man said, God help us, deliver us from people who mean well. <laughs> Just don't mean well, do what you meant well. Amen? So he did exactly that. But notice what happened. He says, the father saw him while it was a great way. You know what that tells me? The father was waiting for him. It's as if the father was on top of a high tower looking towards the direction that his son took when he left home. All those years, I don't know how long the son was gone, I believe that the father every single day was up looking towards that direction, distracted from his work, everything else, nothing else mattered. His son was, the other son, the older son was safe at home, but this one son that was gone, God could not help it. The father couldn't. Every day he was up there looking, hoping that the son would show up. And then it gets dark. The father goes back disappointed. That's the first day. The next day he's back out again. He's looking, hoping. One day he's going to show, back, show up. He knew what was in the sun. The sun didn't have what it took to make it out there. He was going to come back home. Or he was going to just die over in the land. But hopefully he won't die over there. He'll come back home. And that's what the father was hoping. He's just like us. Believe me, if you haven't come to Christ God's been waiting for you every single day to take those steps and come back home towards Him so that He can bless you. Even though you've wasted your life, you've done so many harmful things in your life, you've caused yourself so much pain, and maybe others caused it to you because you made yourself available. But God's looking for you. He wants you to come back home. He's been looking for you. You see, 
He saw him. Now, I'm going to be talking about, look at what the scripture says. He saw him while he was a great way off. And he ran to him. And then he embraced him. He fell on his neck and embraced him. And then finally, he kissed him. Amen. Right now, for this moment, I want to talk about his, his eyes, the eyes of compassion, the eyes of mercy. And I also want to talk about the feet of mercy as he ran towards his son. I want to talk also about the arms of mercy that he wrapped around his son that had been lost. And then the lips that kissed the son. The father saw him while he was way, a great way off. You see, the eyes of mercy, the eyes of compassion, sees beyond what natural people can see. No one in the home, in the father's home, was aware of the son. The father was. His eyes were out there. God sees beyond everything that's going on in your life. God sees you while you are so way up and he is looking for you. The eyes of compassion. It's a lesson for those of us, if you have children that have rebelled, when they come back home, (laughs) receive them. He ran towards the son. The feet of mercy will run towards those that are in trouble, not away from them. His feet were swift. But notice, the son's feet, they were really slow going back home. He was filled with fear. The fear of rejection, maybe. He hoped his father would receive him. Right? He hoped his father would receive him. But there was fear there. Perhaps he may reject me. There was also shame. So he wasn't swift in his, in his movement towards home. Especially if we are natural people, the more you get closer home, the greater the fear comes upon you because you don't know what dad is going to do. Right? If he rejects me, it's over. He had no idea. So there was that fear. But also, there was the shame of what he had done to himself. Not happy with himself. He was slow coming to the Father, but the the feet of mercy ran swiftly towards him to embrace him. I pray that God's children will have the Father's eyes. Amen? Eyes don't condemn people. They love them when they've made a mess of themselves. He has his Father's eyes. Every child of God must pray, I want to have my father's eyes. I want to have my father's feet. They run to the one that is in trouble. 
Not hide away from them your eyes that can see and wants them to be close. Notice he embraced him. This was a guy, I don't know if he had a shower after feeding his pigs. I don't know who would give him a chance to shower to get back home. Now for a Jew, you don't want to hug somebody like that. I'm sure many of the members of a family, uh, I mean the servants, that's angels, right? The angels were not even aware of this boy. They were busy doing their job, right? But the father will not forget his son. And that's you. And that's you. Father is waiting for you to come back home. He embraced him. That told the kid, you, you are accepted. He was filthy, but the father could care less. No matter where you've been, when you come back to God, no matter what you've done, he'll receive you. He'll embrace you. That's what Jesus is telling us in that parable, that no matter where you've been, no matter how bad you've been, when you come back to God, you're welcome. I mean, greatly welcome. He'll put your hands, his arms around you and welcome you. So he welcomed him. And so if you're here this morning and you feel so far away from God, he's not far away from you. Just give him room to put his arms around you and let him tell you it's going to be okay. From now on, it's going to be okay. I'll take care of you. Notice the next thing he did. He kissed them. You know what that told the kid? He's going to be okay. He was filthy, but his father still kissed him. That sealed his pattern. That told, told him everything. Perhaps he wasn't really too sure. Perhaps he may be the way he used to be before I left home. He had no idea. But the kids told him that. I'm truly forgiven. When you go back to your father in heaven, he'll welcome you with a kiss. How many would like to have a kiss from Jesus? Oh, but that's a wonderful thing. That's what the father wants to do for every child. Even if you feel like you've been away, God welcomes you back home if you will just take that step to come back home to God. Now, it's funny, the father kissed him but the son still felt compelled to recite what, you know, what, what he had planned to say to his father. <laughs> Why? He, he ran towards you, right? He embraced you, right? He even kissed you. Wishing that you were accepted as a son. He knew that. But he still felt compelled to talk to the father about what he had done. So, well, he had recited this so much, he couldn't help himself. He had to say, no. It was a, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way of true repentance. If you read in the scriptures, when a person is truly repenting, even though you know God has forgotten, uh, forgiven you, there is still that thing because of his goodness towards you that compels you to just want to say, God, you know, here am I, this is, this is who I am. Could you just forgive me? He still felt compelled to tell his father that. I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be your son. But you know what the father did? He cut him off. Then let him say, make me know. He demanded initially 
in verse 12, give me. But now he's saying, make me as one of your highest servants. But the father will not have any of that. Cut him off. Bring the robe. You know, when there's true repentance, you want to cry out to God for forgiveness. Even though you know you've been forgiven. It's all the way in the scriptures. It's all over there in the scriptures. David, I believe it's Second uh, Samuel chapter uh, 12 verse 13. Uh, David had sinned against God. And Nathan the prophet was the one that came to him. And told him now, David, this is the story and this is what happened here. You, a man had many lambs and, and, this is, and, and he says, you are the man. And David said, look, I have sinned. And Nathan said, I know. He says, but God has put away your sin. God has put away your sins. He said, you will not die. That's what he told David. But guess what? That wasn't enough for David. If you go to Psalm 51, then you begin to hear David crying out again to God. Even though the prophet had told him, your sins have been put away. He won't stop. He went to God. And you can read the whole of Psalm 51. He says, God, I've sinned against you. You can read the whole chapter uh, 51. David repenting before God, asking God for, for, for forgiveness of his sin. That's the way God does it. Now, Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, from verse 30, this is God's principle. God said to the children of Israel, I will make you fruitful again. I'm going to bless you, even though you've rebelled against me, you've done things bad towards me, but I'm going to bless you so much, I will bless you so much, and then after that, after I have blessed you, you will look to yourself, and you will loathe yourself for the things you've done against me. That's just it. The goodness of God is what leads to repentance. God's goodness is what leads to repentance. When God's good to us, and it's His goodness that gets us to that place. You can never forget. If you can, you read the story of Paul. Paul was forgiven. You see, I talked about the eyes of compassion. He sees beyond, not where you are today, but where God wants you to be. Paul was forgiven. No word said when Jesus said to him, you are persecuting me. No, he had murdered a few of his disciples. But after that, nothing was mentioned about what Paul had done. God saw beyond, but Paul never forgot. He said, I am the worst chief of sinners. I sinned by killing believers. So that's the way of God. God blesses those that have sinned against him if they will come back to him. What did the father do? The father immediately for in verse 22, while he was still speaking, I said to the father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Robes are for princes and for great men. That's what the father wanted for his son. Bring out the best robes and put on him. 
put a ring on his finger. Thus, you are being accepted. You have been accepted. Now you are a son in the house, anointed of the Father. You came without shoes in your feet, but God say, the Father says, put a sandals on his feet. Notice the word that is used. Put. He is feeling unworthy. He doesn't want this, but God says, even though you don't want this royal robe, you're going to wear it. Amen? When you come to God, He gives you a royal robe. That's the garment of praise. It is the robe of righteousness that God places on everyone who will return back to Him. He says to put it on the sun and to put sandals on His feet. You know what that represents? When God changes your life, and that's for us today, when you have come home and you have become a son, you now put, have sandals on your feet for the message. Amen? The gospel is now for you to tell people what it means to be forgiven. You have been forgiven. Let the world know that you have been forgiven. And God will also forgive them as well and make them children of the living God. You have been forgiven. And then God says, the father says, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I'm sure the guy wasn't sitting down there watching everybody rejoicing. He was very, very happy to be back home. Now, having spoken about the son, let's talk about the older son that came back home. Hello? <laughs> let's talk about the whole older son that also came back home. While this was taking place, the older son was in the field. He had no idea of what was happening at home. Many of us don't want to be the prodigal son, but I'm telling you, you don't want to be the one that was at home either. He was in the field. They were having fun in the house. He had no clue. When he came back, he, was, he called one of the servants. Hey, what's going on? He should know, right? He was out in the field. Somewhere. Wherever he was. If you read the scripture. And when he was told, and I'm not going to go back to scripture, I just want to go ahead with the word. When he was told that his father had killed the fatted cow, the fatted cow. In fact, it seems like the father was raising that cow, calf and feeding it, getting ready. Maybe he was thinking, that's for me, the good son. Well, the father killed it for the prodigal son. Okay? And he was not happy about this. He was mad. He stood outside and would not go in. Amazing. He just would not go in and have fun with them. He's, I guess he, he doesn't like to have fun. <laughs> he was sitting out there. And the father came out 
After, I'm sure the father heard about what was going on. Father came out to try to persuade him, please, come in, have fun with us. He said, no. And this were his words to his father. He said, I have served you these many years. And I've never transgressed your commandment. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. I haven't. And yet you never gave me, not even a young goat, for me to enjoy with my friends. If you go to, this is an amazing thing, this is what's happening to us. We don't know what God has made available to us. This guy was at home, but he was also prodigal in my mind. He didn't know what was available to him. He's asking for a young goat to celebrate with his friends. But if you go back to verse 12, when the youngest son demanded for his portion, the father divided all his living between the two of them, right? He gave one part to the boy, the youngest son, and the other part to the older son, a double portion. So who owned everything? Are you with me? Who owned everything? He owned everything, right? But now he's complaining. Doesn't make any sense. We don't know who God has made us in Christ. The Christians are afraid of demons. They are afraid of this. They are worried about this and worried about that. We do not know what God has made available to us as believers. He says, you didn't give me a God to celebrate with my friends. He owned everything with his father. That's what we do. We're begging God for something he's already given to us. And we're crying and pleading and pounding and saying, God, why don't you? The father's response is, I always have you. Everything I own is yours. Everything I own is yours. There's a lesson to learn from this man's life. He was angry at his father. And yet he claimed, now if the father figure is God, are you angry at God for anything? Don't put your hand up. Are you angry at God for not doing something for you? Because you prayed or whatever it is. He was angry at his father and yet he claimed that he had never transgressed his commandment. How can you have an attitude like that and haven't never sinned against your dad? You're deceived. Everyone is sinned against God. When you look down your nose on another person... And think you're better, that's where it gets you. That's why you may not see everything that's been made available to you. I've had to deal with that. When you see yourself, you know, the, the pride thing, and better than, the Bible is very clear. Those who compare themselves with each other, they are not wise. He's between me and God alone. Can I hear an amen? 
is between my relationship and God alone. If I see my brother stumbling, he's not judging, I want to help them stand. So it will be two of us standing, not criticizing them, cutting them up, saying he wasted your goods with harlot, making the situation even worse, trying to get this father on his side so they kick the son out. He won't do that. When you have that, you have an evil heart towards God. No wonder you need, you need a goat's permission to get a goat to satisfy, to, just a little goat to have fun with your friends. No wonder you're, you're stuck up on yourself. You can't, en- you can't enjoy life because you're so focused on what others are doing instead of thinking about your own life. That's why I said this. You don't want to be this man. <laughs> the other one was a prodigal. This, this one was also prodigal in the house in a different way. God's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says, we are joined here with Christ. Thank God Jesus is the older brother. Amen? And he won't take anything from you. He's happy when you come back home. Amen? He's happy when you turn your life Back to the Father. Jesus embraces you and he celebrates with you. That's different. Remember, it's one, you're wondering, why would Jesus then use this parable? Because Jesus was actually addressing the Pharisees and their attitude. He was saying, you should be happy that these people that you think are publicans, harlots and all of that, they're coming to God. You should be happy for them. Not saying, like the story I heard, uh, we don't want them here. There was a story I heard sometime, a, a guy, he didn't dress well, from the streets, he went to a particular church that people who were really dignified were in, and uh, he came in and everybody was looking at each other like, how did he get in here? Because of the way he was dressed. And he didn't like it at all. And the ushers were going back and forth. How can we get him out of this place? He doesn't smell right. He's not dressed properly. And finally, one usher decided, I'll do it. And went to him and said, now, uh, sir, uh, uh, we don't welcome people like you in our church. Can you please leave? And and he left left this building. And uh, right across the church was uh, uh, a bus stop. And he sat down there, a street guy, just doing his own thing. And uh, finally, after service, uh, everybody was leaving. And the usher came out and, and that told him to leave. And he looked across the street and saw the guy sitting there by himself at the bus stop. So he went to him and said, uh, uh, Sir, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, had to let you, I, had to, I had to tell you to leave because, uh, you know, in our church, people like you are not welcome. Uh, and and I just, I'm sorry I had to do that. And the guy said, oh, sir, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, after you told me to leave, I sat down here and Jesus himself appeared to me. And he said, don't worry, son. They don't even allow me in there. <laughs> I'm not welcome in there. <laughs> you welcome everybody. Amen. When they come, you look out for them. That's eyes of compassion. Amen? You're looking out for the best. The soul should have rejoiced. The Pharisees were not rejoicing. For every believer, let God give you the eyes of compassion. 
Let God give you the feet that run towards those that are hurting so that you can help them bring them back home. Let God give you the arms that you can wrap around them in love to let them know and kiss them and bring them home. Brother, notice this song said, this your son. He will call him his brother. He's lost his mind. And his father reminded him and said, this your brother <laughs> was dead. Now he's alive. Amen. He was lost. Now he's found. <laughs> so that's why I'm rejoicing. Let me say this, okay? If you have two sons and one is sick and the other one just died, and, and the sick one recovered. And then the dead one came back to life. Which one will you rejoice more about? <laughs> will you be rejoicing? My sick son is he's back. He's well. He's well. No, you will not even say anything about the sick son. All you want to talk about is the one that was dead, right? That's back alive. Everybody in the neighborhood will hear about it. If you ever mention your sick son, we don't want to hear about that. Tell us about the one that was dead and came back to life. He said, your brother was dead. He came back to life. And that life comes from God and God alone. And God can give life. This morning, the father is willing to welcome everyone back home. He saw you. He's seen you. He's been seeing you. He knows what's going on. He knows things are not going well. He can't hide that from his all-seeing eyes. But he wants to welcome you to change the situation, take the filth out, take the problem out, fill your life with goodness, and then dance with you. Can you imagine? You think they were playing music and the father was just sitting down there? I made all this happen. No, I'm sure the father was dancing with them, right? He was dancing with them. And he was telling his son, come dance with us. Just like we did a little this morning here, okay? Come dance with us. That's the father's heart for every child of God. He loves us so much. No matter what you've done, you can come back to God. And he'll give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. The 50th chance he'll give to you. And he wants to do that this morning. Can I hear an amen? He wants to give you that this morning. No matter what you've done, God can give you a second chance. And he's welcoming. That's what the parable is all about. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? That's what the parable is all about. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is that song that says, Oh, how he loves you and me. God truly loves us. Don't let your feeling tell you God doesn't love you. He cares for you. And he wants you so close. God wants to put his arms around you and to just love you. Thank you, Lord. I got this, sir. Uh, this morning, look, raise your head up. Look up to me. <laughs> I didn't know this idea came to me. Put your hands around yourself, okay? 
they are no longer yours. They are his. Amen. That's God putting his hands around you. That you love. Amen. That's the idea God gave to me this morning. God loves you. Bow your heads again. Eyes closed. Who among us want to give everything? You're coming back to the Father and you're going to throw everything at Him. No doubt in your heart. I'm coming back home, Father. Maybe you've been saved, but you are not walking with God as you should. But you want to do that beginning from this very morning. And you mean it. If you mean that with your heart, there's going to be an added grace upon your life this morning. Because you acknowledge it. If you acknowledge, I need more grace in my life. I need Jesus in my life. And that's you at the count of three. Would you put your hand up? One, two, three. Say, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I need more grace. I see those hands. Thank you, Father. Lord God, I thank you for everyone who's hands. Now, let's all raise our hands. And please stand up. Stand up. Let's raise our hands towards him. You know, listen. Many times people go to church and they say, well, what did people do raising up their hands? <laughs> I see them doing that in the ball game. So why can't we do it in church? <laughs> That's crazy. But you know what that means? When you lift up your hands, God says in Isaiah, he has to look towards you. He says every time you lift up your hands, God will look towards you. That's what you're doing. And God's looking towards you right now. Father, we lift up our hands towards the heaven. To you, our God. And we're telling you, God, that we need you. We're admitting, oh God, that without you we can do nothing. But we believe that with you all things are possible. With you in our life, all things are made possible. Lord Jesus, we welcome you into our lives right now. Be with us according to your promise, even to the end of the age. We thank you. We thank you. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I receive you. Say it again, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Take control. Be the driver of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a clap offering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.